What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your M.O.? To find your M.O., tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Well, I think we uh, proved that we're capable of playing good football. That was a good team we played. Um, we were toe-to-toe to them the whole game um, and had our chances to win there. You know, obviously the uh, critical penalty at the end of the game there on the rough and call was huge because it uh, stops the clock, saves their timeout, and gives them 15 yards. So I haven't seen the play yet, but, um, you know, that was critical. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. We are coming to you from the Vivid Seat studio, and I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my co-host and partner in crime. You know him, you love him, as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, as we record this episode, we're watching a surreal series of events unfold on Monday Night Football as Trevor Simeon in the New York Jets colors is throwing balls to Demarius Thomas. What universe are we in right now? <laughs> right. It's, it's crazy to see that. Uh, both players wearing Jets green now. And as I look up on my screen, Simeon's three for six for three yards. He's been sacked a couple times already. Uh, it's the same old kind of, you know, offense led by old Trev and throwing at Demarius Thomas. It's nice. Kind of, it's like a throwback, but it's just a surreal sight uh, to watch those players kind of move on to greener pastures, pun intended. Did you see that promo picture that came out of him with the mullet? Yes, I don't know what was uh, he thinking or what the art department was thinking with that one. Dude, the homie just got married. What's his wife doing letting him sport that hairdo? <laughs> it's a pretty free spirit, I guess. I don't know. Trev's really growing. He's really gone from Skittles jackets to really flexing <laughs> his own kind of look now. He's being his own man for himself. So he's kind of grown up in the last couple of years. Well, hey, you guys, we got some uh, some deets to go through with you guys today. We got some Fangio reactions and some, you know, he, he took some time on Monday after watching the film and letting the disappointment of week two wash over him to kind of re-examine some of the talking points from, from Sunday, and we're going to dive through that here in just a minute. But first, a couple of quick matters of business. First thing, guys, regarding our Monday Gut Reaction podcast for you guys, we simulcasted that basically. We, we did it live on YouTube, and then we also recorded that to upload for our podcast listeners because about 30% of our listening audience is on YouTube, but the majority of our listeners are, of course, 
not on YouTube. They're on Apple Podcasts. They're on Spreaker. They're on Stitcher. They're on CastBox. They're all over the place. And so we recognize that as we're trying to figure out how to best execute these simulcasts that we're going to talk more about here in just a minute, that we got to make sure the sound quality is right. And we know that the Monday one for our podcast listeners, it wasn't as legit as it should have been. Next time it won't be like that. It'll be as solid as, as a normal podcast. So thanks for bearing with us on that. Hope you still enjoyed the content. We understand the sound quality wasn't uh, top of the line, but that'll be better. Now, as it regards our YouTube lives, we're going to continue to do those, but instead of doing it, we were talking about doing it every single episode, but it's a lot of work and we want to make it more interesting, more fun, more special for our listeners. So we're going to set two episodes per week. Zach and I talked about it aside where we simulcast on YouTube as well. We're going to do it on after every game. So the gut reaction episodes each and every week, we're going to be engaging with our listeners on YouTube, simulcasting that one. And then also for the mailbag. So Friday, our YouTube listeners, well, actually, it's it's Thursday nights now that we gotta we got to rewind our heads here. So we record the Friday uh, mailbag Thursday evening. So what that means for our YouTube audience, set your calendars every Thursday at 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. We're going to do the YouTube Live. So look for that later this week. We'll be back on YouTube. And meanwhile, all of our great listeners on Apple Podcasts and all the other podcast platforms It'll be business as usual for you guys. So another reminder for you guys to follow the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. That is the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then also we got to remind you guys, go get your reviews in at Apple Podcasts so that you can get in on the swag we're giving away. Mile High Huddle and Huddle Up Podcast swag. We're going to be giving it away at the end of the month to a random reviewer who posted a creative review on the Huddle Up Podcast on Apple Podcasts. So go take care of that. It'll enter you into the drawing. We'll pull a name out of a hat. We'll let you know who won. We'll announce the winners at the top of October. So take care of that business. Listen up, you guys. It's a fact. Refinancing your credit card balances can lower your interest rate and save you money. And you don't have to be a financial expert to do it. Right now, you can get a credit card consolidation loan from our friends over at Lightstream with a rate as low as 5.95% APR with AutoPay. That's lower than the average credit card interest rate, over 19% APR. And that means that you could literally save thousands of dollars in interest. Get a loan from $5,000 up to $100,000. And there are absolutely no fees, no application fees, no origination fees, no transaction fees, no prepayment penalties. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Consumer debt is a major plague upon our American society. Millions of families suffer from it. Let Lightstream help relieve that burden. Just for our listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash huddle up. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash huddle up. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash huddle up for more information. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, let's uh, let's rehash a few of the talking points from Vic Fangio's time at the podium on Monday. Obviously, he had time to marinate on the way things unfolded for his team, unfortunately, in that final 31 seconds of the game. And the first thing, though, I want to touch on is what he had to say specifically about uh, Garrett Bowles. We'll get to the officiating and all that, but as what happened earlier in the game, we talked a lot about it on the gut reaction. Bowles was actually flagged five times for holding. Four of them were enforced. It was brutal. It was a brutal, brutal showing, and it was embarrassing, and it was not professional-level football. The Broncos, as we talked about yesterday, you would think that they'd be ready to pull the plug on that situation. But, but Zach, let me play this clip of what Vic Fangio had to say about Garrett Bowles and kind of where this thing is heading for the Broncos. Yeah, and the um, unusual part of those when when you hear one guy got called for four holdings, your immediate thought is it's passing. You know, three of the four were on running plays, and um, he's just got to be a little bit more technique sound. You know, and I think he. Um, suffers from, you know, he thinks he's in good position sometimes and dumps the guy at the end where he thinks it's a legal block. We got to do a better job of explaining that to him. He's got to do a better job of listening to the explaining. And but I think he can. Zach, Garrett Bowles has to do a better job of listening. We got to do a better job of explaining. At some point, this team has to just admit that you're two years and two games into a career. If the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. This isn't going to be the last time Garrett Bowles really costs this team. No, but it should be the last coach that's forced to be trotted up there and have to defend Elway's first-round draft pick. And that's the only reason I can still think of that he still has a starting job. The fact that they haven't acquired someone better to push him, they've been standing by him, even though he's literally single-handedly still ruining chances of winning for the Broncos. Fangio's getting up there just like Vance Joseph did last year and coming up with all these excuses and coach-speak and buzzwords to talk about Garrett Bowles. I don't want to hear anything else. He can either play or not play. He can either do his job quietly or draw attention to him with more penalties. If it's the latter, he needs to not be on the field. And the longer he's on the field with those things still happening, then the finger gets pointed to Vic Fangio. So he's riding a fine line right now between defending his boss's uh, pick and his boss's pet project and also doing what's best for his football team. I don't envy Fangio, but I don't excuse him for this either. At a certain point, if you're 
Vic Fangio and you've been emphasizing discipline and you've been emphasizing fundamentals and technique and the devil's in the details and death by inches. Eventually, your message is not going to resonate. It's going to fall on deaf, ear, uh, deaf ears and players aren't going, they're, they're going to stop buying in to what you're saying if they're not seeing it come out in the wash. If Fangio is basically being held hostage on this decision due to decisions up the chain of command, a la John Elway, it's going to cost the team, not just in the holding fouls that are going to take place with Garrett Bowles and the lapses in discipline, they're going to compromise and jeopardize drives, but in terms of the way Vic Fangio is viewed within that locker room. Now, you're two games into the season, you're 0-2. Vic Fangio is now the first head coach in Denver Broncos history to begin his head coaching career in Denver 0-2. That's the first time it's ever happened. It's the first time this team's been 0-2 since 1999. Already, you've got enough moving parts there, Zach, to create some doubt in the minds of the locker room. Now, hopefully, it's not anything that they hang their hat on or allow to dwell on, and they realize that this season is still very young. There's a lot of different moving parts that have kind of contributed to the reasons why this team is struggling or why they're 0-2, and they focus on the future, not dwell on things that aren't going right. But when you're seeing a player who is not being held accountable for his play, eventually that whole death by inches ethos, it's going to go out the window. Right. I mean, you can only spout off these these T-shirt phrases and, and paint uh, the locker room walls with these clever phrases, but it's only going to take you so far. When the losses start piling up, no player, and Derek Wolf talked about this last year, when everyone comes in the locker room in week 15, week 16, everyone's tired, everyone's hurting, we're losing. How much is the culture in the locker room going to stand to that? And that's what I want to see from Fangio, though I didn't expect it to happen and this faces much adversity so soon, but it's how he responds to this. Can he keep the team, keep their collective heads up, keep them toward the uh, maybe the playoff track if that's their ultimate goal for this year. But how he responds with Garrett Bowles will send a message to the team: either we're going to stick with you no, no matter how bad you are, and that is a death by inches, or we will replace you. And no one person is above the team. We will do whatever it takes to win. If he wants to be the latter, if he wants to be this old school coach, it starts with Bowles. I understand it's your left tackle. I understand you have a lot invested in him. I understand that it could have been an outlier in their opinion that one game, even though it's not. But you got to do something because he's harming the team right now, and he's literally costing them victories. And he's standing up there and saying that he disagrees with the calls. Right? Come on, and dude. Shaking his head and signs of relief when his when his teammates get flagged. I mean, there's no excuse for it. Honestly, Fangio is actually in a pretty prime position right now to flex a little bit on John Elway. And here's what I mean: if Elway's message going down the chain of command is look, we understand it's bad, but we're not ready to give up on Bulls. Do not bench him. Let's find a way to make this work. Munchak's got to work harder. Chris Cooper's got to work harder. Let's figure this out. If that's what the message is to Vic Fangio, Fangio can see, you know, um, which way the wind's blowing. He recognizes this as a you-know-what show, okay? But he's in a good position where he can actually say, look, I'm making an executive decision as the head coach of this team. You can pick what players. It's just like the movie Moneyball. You can pick what players are going to be on this roster, but I'm going to decide who plays every Sunday. He can flex that decision now, not have to worry about getting fired, Zach. He's two games into his head coaching career on the heels of a, of a previous head coaching hire that was failed and had to be fired after two years. John Elway's not in any position to try and, and drop the hammer. He can't. He's got to let the, the chips fall at this point and see how things play out. Vic Fangio's got at least a two-year window in Denver, probably longer. In fact, his life uh, expectancy as a his job in Denver has probably got a longer tenure or a longer window than John Elway currently 
I mean, if the Broncos go on to have a 6-10 and 10 season this year, okay, John Elway is going to be the one under the gun, not Vic right. Fangio. He's a, he's a 61-year-old rookie head coach who inherited a roster coming off 6-10. and 10. You know there were going to be some struggles. You can't expect it to be, you know, just all of a sudden we're going from 6-10 and 10 to the playoffs. But Elway, on the other hand, he's the guy that's going to feel that pain. So, Zach, maybe Fangio needs to recognize his position a little bit here, flex and go, you know what? I recognize we're between a rock and a hard place with Jawan James being on the sideline right now, but I'm going to make an executive decision. i got to send a message to the locker room. I'm benching Garrett Bowles, and I'm either putting Jake Rogers at left tackle or I'm moving Eli Wilkinson over to left tackle, putting Rogers at right tackle, or last resort is I'm kicking Dalton Reisner out to left tackle, and I'm bringing in Schlopman or whoever to play left guard. Okay? Now, we know that's a topic of discussion. In fact, on Monday, Vic Fangio was asked directly whether or not Dalton Reisner would be considered for the tackle position, and here's what he said. Yeah, we don't, we're not, you know, that could be a possible move, but, um, you know, it's one of the reasons we brought Rodgers up to not have to do that move. So, Zach, what that tells me is it's been a discussion, right. moving Dalton Reisner out to, to tackle. So, I think Vic Fangio, he's got to do something, dude. If he, if he keeps it status quo, it's just going to haunt this team. Well, to your point about Elway, it's definitely a valid one, and I feel like Elway needs Fangio way more than Fangio needs Elway. And you're right, Fangio has a ton more rope. They're both in kind of honeymoon seasons this year, but especially Fangio, like you said, rookie head coach, first-time guy, still getting his bearings down. And Elway's been a general manager for a while now, uh, a couple losing seasons, he faced a lot of criticism. He's under the gun a lot more than Fangio. That being said, based on the, the amount of mutual respect they share that they you know exude publicly, I, I wouldn't see Fangio, a rookie guy, still finding his way, um, flexing on his boss or, or kind of calling him out. He's not going to step on his toes or go above his head. I would look for, honestly, Fangio to roll with Bowles this week and see what happens and and wouldn't upset the Alpha card. I don't agree with that move. I think he should be benched. But the way he defended him, the fact that he didn't even – I saw no sideline interaction during the game. It didn't even look like he was seriously considering it. It seems like that's the guy, 72, and until there's a better player on the roster, a better player than Jake Rogers, it's just going to be the Garrett Bowles show. I, I don't agree with that. I don't think it's right. And if I were Fangio, I would – uh, assert myself a little bit. Everyone already respects him. Everyone knows in that locker room who dealt with Vance Joseph, he is an upgrade. And even Elway's given him enough robe and enough leniency to do what he wants and what what's right to corral this team. Now, use that some executive power, use that a little bit, and get Garrett Bowles out of the lineup, even just for a quarter, even just for a series. It's not so much taking him out, even though that would help. It's sending a message that mediocrity and incompetency will not fly in this team. It's Super Bowl or bust, not eight nader bust amen brother couldn't have said it better myself and by the way i'm pretty sure trevor simeon just broke his his ankle on a roughing the passer really? ball by miles garrett unfortunate he, unfortunate for trevor he's he's coming out of this game right now he's getting jacked up tonight constantly yeah. no protection so Rude. it's kind of a yeah, ptsd for him indeed all right so we still got a lot we want to get to today a couple other things from fangio we've got a vip subscriber question that we're going to get to here in just a second first though one break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, I want to play for our listeners the clip of Vic Fangio talking about the rougher the uh, roughing the passer penalty on Bradley Chubb on Chicago's final possession. And it also kind of speaks to the decision to be, for those officials to be time bandits, basically, and put one second back on the clock after time had expired. Here's what Fangio said, though, in regards to the officiating in week two. You know, in regards to officiating, you know, I'm just going to uh, quote Sean Payton, who's a much more senior head coach than I am. We can't control poor, poor officiating or awful calls. And we just go about it that way. And um, we still have to find a way to win the game, regardless of what's happening. All right, Zach. So he's trying to take the Sean Payton tack. Quote, we can't control poor officiating or awful calls, close quote. Passive aggressive. But the way he closed that, we still have to find a way to win the game, regardless of what's happening. Here's one thing I want to remind fans. The fans are completely justified to be upset at the officials. I mean, that flag on Bradley Chubb was by a rookie ref by the name of Adrian Hill, who made a terrible, terrible decision. I mean, in clutch moments, you have to be very circumspect as a referee on when you throw those flags and the way you adjudicate the rules of this game. In the clutch, it has to be black and white. It's either an egregious foul that affected the game, or it's not. You keep that laundry on your hip. But Hill, being a rookie, he let it fly. It affected the game, gave the Bears new life. But you also, as, as much as fans are justified in feeling that they were robbed by the refs, you also have to keep in mind that on that 4th and 15 play, in which Mitch Trubisky completed the ball to Allen Robinson for 25 yards, and then were fortunate enough that the refs reversed the time and gave him one more second where they could kick the field goal. On that play, Zach, if you go back and watch the tape, Vic Fangio chose to rush four guys, okay? Everyone else was dropped back into coverage. Meanwhile, it's 4th and 15. The Bears think, oh man, Fangio's going to bring the pressure right here. The last thing the Broncos want is a long developing play. They need to pick up 15 yards. Time's running out, so they're going to blitz. They're going to blitz, pressure the quarterback, and force him to get rid of the ball early. Fangio doesn't like to blitz, though, so he doesn't. He rushes four. The Bears, they're anticipating a blitz, so they keep in a whopping six players to block. Might have even been seven off the top of my head. Three guys are in routes downfield. Only three against Denver's seven linebackers, DBs in coverage, Zach. And they still allowed that. Vic Fangio was asked directly, was there a breakdown in coverage on that 25-yard completion? His simple answer was yes. So that's what he means by we still have to find a way to win the game regardless of what's happening with the officiating. And it's absolutely correct, and I, I actually applaud him for saying that because the, the Broncos, as as messed up as those calls were and as ticky-tack as they were, and, and it was – I disagree with them, obviously. That was the worst roughing the passer call I have ever seen in my entire life. That being said, though, 
the Broncos cannot rely on the refs to bail them out. They cannot put themselves in the position where they're relying on a call to go one way or the other. That's a team they should have beaten yesterday. They played good enough football to beat that team. Regardless of the refs, regardless of anything else, they should allow a quarterback like Trubisky with that stat line like we talked about yesterday to waltz in there and walk out with the victory. I agree with Fangio. They have to play better and take the refs out of the equation. Does it seem like they never get their calls going their way? Yes. Does it seem like you know that was a um, a, a rob of a loss, a heartbreaker of a loss that stemmed from the refs? Yes. But you can't put yourself in that position. Play better football. Don't commit 10 penalties for 81 yards. Don't let your left tackle get four, five holding penalties in the game. Don't throw interception in the end zone. And you'll win football games. Don't point the fingers at the refs. Point them in the mirror. Then that's in growth and that's improvement. Here's the good news, and then we'll turn the page here and get to this question. Is If you want to try and find the silver linings here, and at this point, this is my advice to everybody. Try and find the silver linings because this season is still young. It doesn't look good right now. But there have been some positive signs that this team has what it takes to get onto a winning track. I want to point your attention to the fact that this Broncos passing defense, I mean, for the most part, they're they're staying, uh, they're, they're pretty stout, okay? Holding Mitchell Trubisky, who I get is not an upper echelon quarterback at this stage in his career, to 120 passing yards, that's solid. Now, they still need to tweak and figure out why they're giving up so much uh, completions in the middle of the field. It's allowing defenses to get the ball out quick, or excuse me, uh, offenses to get the ball out quick and negating the pass rush. They got to figure that out. I think that's a scheme thing. Fangio's got to get that figured out. But overall, week two, the passing defense really came together. The other aspect, Zach, we saw that this offense, when it really wants to, when the chips are down in the clutch, it can move the ball. It can make those decisive plays. They were 100% on fourth downs. They might have only been one for three in the red zone, but when it mattered the most, they not only converted the touchdown, but they also got the two-point conversion. The running game showed a much more consistent um, production in week two as opposed to week one. Still, they need to get that going earlier, but you had Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman for the most part. If you take away some of those holding calls on the part of Garrett Bowles, the Broncos are well over 100 yards rushing, and they're controlling that against a very stout defense, arguably the best front seven. So there are some positive signs. Joe Flacco, when given time to throw, has been money. When he's under pressure, just like most quarterbacks, though, he's going to crumble. He's, he's going to, you know, he's not going to be as accurate. He's going to make forced and poor decisions. So there are some positive aspects that this team can hang its hat on, Zach, and I think at this stage – Fans really need to try and cling to that instead of going down the, you know, the toilet bowl swirling down into the negativity and, and myopic uh, perspectives. I agree with that. There are positive takeaways. This team is not the Dolphins. They're not that bad. But it, there's a fine line between being optimistic and deluding yourself into thinking there's not problems with this Broncos team. I mean, even from a coaching standpoint, there's still major issues they're working for, uh, working through. And can the offense score? Yes. But it, does it take until the fourth quarter? Does it take until they're down and the game's almost over? That's what I want to see change. Come out with that same mindset in the first and second quarter and not wait until the second half to play catch-up football. They just have to put themselves in better positions to win, and they will. Like I said, that game was winnable yesterday. That would have been a massive upset, and no one would be talking about that first game. Everyone will be talking about now how they upset Chicago and they're right back in the season. You can still believe that. The season's very young, and they have the breadcrumbs there, and they have the glimpses there to be a good team. 
I don't know how good. I don't know if playoff good, but definitely, you know, at least average 500 ball. They just have to put it all together. I, I want to see it happen from the opening whistle and not, you know, for seconds left in the fourth quarter. All right, let's get to this question from a former VIP subscriber at milehighhuddle.com by the name of Brian Keenow. Brian, if I pronounced your last name incorrectly, I apologize. But he had a question. He's trying to get it in. He didn't realize there's a place to put it in YouTube. He didn't put it on Twitter. So he messaged it to me on Facebook, and I think it's an apt one. Here's what he says. And, of course, the mailbag, mainly we're going to do that for you guys on Friday. But, as always, we are your football priests, and it might be daily that we offer you the absolution and answers to your Burning Broncos questions. Brian, here's what he says, Zach. Do you guys think these first two games are just the Broncos getting their feet under them and trying to get all the new pieces figured out? And if we go into Green Bay and sneak out a win, could you guys see that turning the ship around and putting us on the right path? I know it's early, but the first two games have been hard to watch. Is it just everyone still learning the schemes? So you got kind of a three-leveled question there, Zach. What's your answer for Brian? Well, the first question about the two games being just the you know getting the feet under them. No, that's what preseason is for, and they had five preseason games to shake most of this rust off. And I was willing to give them all five of those games, but we talked about it. Maybe they didn't divvy up the reps correctly. Maybe they didn't play their starters long enough. But that's what that's for. When you get to the regular season, you can't waste games or opportunities. You have to play top-notch football for sixty minutes. That that's the you know that's the answer to the first question. In terms of you know beating Green Bay, would that propel the Broncos to have a better season? That would certainly uh, take the sting away from the first two games. It would put the Broncos right back in the mix. And one and two, it's still a very young season. That being said, though, without overreacting, 0-3, historically, a very tough hole to come out from. If they go 0-3, any Broncos fan that thinks the playoffs are a possibility might want to start readjusting your expectations this year. One and two, though, you upset Aaron Rodgers in an early afternoon game in Green Bay, coming off two brutal losses. Uh, the season's very new for me. So, yeah, it's uh, – it's. I don't want to use must-win in week three, but it's pretty close to it. Oh, no, it's it, they're in must-win territory now. No. I mean, when you lose your first two games, as you said, the, the history is not on their side if they go 0-3. So they're officially in must-win territory if they want to salvage any hope for this season, even coming close to being respectable or competitive for the playoffs. Now, I know that might sound crazy at this point, even using the P word uh, with this team starting knowing too. But here's what I have to say is on, on one hand, I agree with you, Zach, that it's it's frustrating that with five preseason games, they are still working out so many kinks. So obviously, right, they're still going through a trial and error learning curve. But at the same time, I have to disagree with you in that we have to recognize that with a new head coach, a new offensive and defensive scheme, a veteran quarterback transplant, so many new faces from the draft, from free agency, so many new moving parts. There's going to be a lag time. There's going to be the buffer window. Okay, You're not just going to go from page to page on the internet here smoothly. There is going to be a buffer period. Now, what we were hoping is that this team was good enough from a talent perspective and that the coaching would be good enough that while these components are figuring each other out and, and they're putting things together, that they could at least squeeze by you know, at 500, right? If you if you could, if the Broncos win on Sunday, then you're going, okay, you know, they're working out the kinks, they're one and one, they're still figuring each other out. But because they managed to lose both games, you le- it, it leaves you with more doubts. But I think we have to be realistic in understanding that you can't expect this team to take the field week one, week two, and look like some kind of a finished product. They very much, just like Vic Fangio said with regard to Garrett Bowles being a work in progress, 
throw that out the window. He's his his work is done. We already know what he's going to be. But this team, I still very much feel like Zach are a work in progress. So if you get back to the crux of what Brian was asking with regard to Green Bay, yes, if you can get into Green Bay and scrap and claw and gut out a win on the road and get to one and two and just start swinging a little momentum your way, that's going to instill a phenomenal amount of belief in the players and the coaches, give them a streak of confidence, and you just never know what that can do for a team. But until they get that first win, we won't know. We won't know what it can do. And I think, though, the jury's still out, but they're running out of time to get it figured out, Zach. Uh, listen, I agree with what you're saying. It's true, and it's something – part of the reason or most of the reason why I predicted the Broncos wouldn't make the playoffs, I predicted the Broncos would be 7-9 and nine or 8-8. Eight and eight. It's going to take them time. I don't care about that. It's not that they lost. It's how they're losing these games. It's how they look on the field. It's the fact that they're still committing these atrocious penalties, still hurting themselves, just like we saw in 2017-2018. Now, maybe me personally, I'm a little more scarred after watching Vance Joseph and those teams, but we're really seeing no improvement. I would would not mind if they went into Green Bay and lost, but show me some competition. Put up 35, 40 points. Go toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers. Show some life on offense. Show some some guts. You know, sack the quarterback. Get some interceptions. If you have a hard-fought game and lose, fine, but don't come out at home and, and show up flat for three and a half quarters and then turn it on at the end. I want to see this whole scrappiness, this whole no-death-by-inches ethos, this whole thing, this whole reputation they've built this offseason come to life. I want to see it on the field, and this is exactly why I had apprehension in buying into the optimism, buying into Joe Flacco, buying into this whole new, you know, this new, whole new culture. It's going to take time, but you've got to look better than you did in Chicago. You can't have four holding penalties. You can't throw interceptions in the end zone. You got to just play clean football. Show me that improvement and I will buy in. Yeah. I mean, and it's not just everyone wants to blame the players and I, and look, I'll, I'll be the first one to say Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Derek Wolf even fired back at the fans on Monday saying, what the heck do you expect? You know, they're getting the ball out quick and uh, there's nothing we can do about that. If they're getting the ball out in under two seconds, what do you expect us to do in terms of sacking the, and pressuring the quarterback? I get that. I really do. I understand it. There, there's a lot of truth to that. Even Fangio talked about how as the season progresses and the Broncos make adjustments to where the holes in their scheme are and the execution – that situations will present itself better from a numbers perspective. They're going to start getting home to the quarterback. But from a schematic perspective, from a coaching perspective, why are you – I know, Vic, look, you don't like to blitz. You like to have the safety and numbers and coverage. You expect your elite-level pass rushers in Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb to be able to get home on a four-man rush. I get that. But with the game on the line – and a young quarterback who's been in a wicked slump with a fourth and 15, you mm. rush four? I mean, mm. that. think back to the Broncos, okay, in the fourth quarter especially when the games were on, the game was on the line, and especially think back to when Joe Flacco threw that ill-timed interception in the red zone. Chuck Pagano was bringing the pressure, dude. And Vic, and, and excuse me, uh, Joe Flacco, he's a veteran quarterback. He's been in just about every situation that you can imagine after starting in the NFL for 10-plus years. It affected him. He had to get rid of the ball early. He took hits. He took shots. B- balls were sailed a few times because he got hit as he was as he was throwing. Meanwhile, Fangio stubbornly, Zach, clings to this, I can get there with a three- or four-man rush. In the clutch, you expect a coach to recognize 
this is where I can send it. This is where I rely on the money I, we're spending on Chris Harris and Kareem Jackson and our expectations for Justin Simmons. And this is where we got to just bring the house. Those small little wrinkles, you hope that Fangio's learning from him as a head coach at this point, and the Broncos can be better for it, but only time will tell. Yeah, that's a really good point, Chad. And now that you mention it, it reminds me last year in that first Kansas City game. On the, in the fourth quarter, the Broncos got the lead against Mahomes, and they go into man coverage on a fourth down play, and he throws that long gainer to Demetrius Harris. It's coaching like that that makes a difference, and that's the type of difference that I thought we'd see in Vic Fangio. I don't know why they still resemble a Vance Joseph defense, but they do still not playing to their strengths, not producing takeaways and turnovers. I get the injuries and this and that, but you expect better from Vic Fangio. It, it seems like he's just floating right now. He's swimming and it's uh, it's all going fast for him. Same as a player. And that's fine. If that's the case, I wish the Broncos by wasn't so late in the season. If they had like a week five, week six by, he can have some time, uh, you know, recalibrate, watch film and kind of make some adjustments. Maybe they have a better second half of their season. If they have to wait till week 10, week 11 to make adjustments, it's going to be too late. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. As always, you guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. That's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. You can find my partner here, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Tomorrow, you can look forward to a fresh episode of Building the Broncos. We'll see what those, those fellas have cooking for you. And then Zach and I will return with a fresh episode of Huddle Up on Thursday. We're going to go behind enemy lines with Bill Huber of uh, Green Bay. He covers the Green Bay Packers, credentialed journalist, our Maven uh, Sports Illustrated counterpart there in Green Bay. So look forward to that episode. I know a lot of you guys like those crossover pods. So look for that. And in the meantime, you guys, have a great day. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.